Welcome to Looking at Lucasfilm, the podcast with a different perspective on the world of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and all of the other entities that George Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy, Dave Filoni, and uh, what the hell, uh, John Favreau, the rest of the team at at Lucasfilm have dreamed up over the past 40 years. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill and my co-host, the one and only Dan Z, and I are recording the show on Thursday night, October 1st which is the day after Dan's birthday. Um, many happy returns of the day, Dan. Uh, Thank you. Don't mind me asking, how old are you now, Dan? I am 48. Oh, jeez, I'm your child. Okay. <laughs> uh, did, did you get to do anything fun with the family last night? Or? You know what? We did something tremendously fun. Uh, we went to a movie theater and saw The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, that is so... Oh. I, I love that you did that because that actually dovetails right into uh, first story of this week, which is, did you see how it did at the box office this past weekend? You know, I didn't. Uh, I I don't. I have no clause hoping that you would have an idea of that, but I can tell you from from our perspective, there was only the four of us and then two other people in this massive theater. Uh, there was hardly anybody at the place altogether. We of course wore masks the whole time. They require you to wear them when you're in the theater too. And I felt I felt okay. I felt safe, and I, and I haven't seen that movie in a theater since 1997. So it's been Holy a significantly God. long time. And I tell you what, there is just nothing like seeing The Empire Strikes Back or any Star Wars film on an actual big screen. I, mean, I have a 70 inch TV at home. I've got surround sound speakers built into the walls. I've got all this great stuff, but nothing match matches quite like seeing it in the theater. So it was the the best way to spend my birthday. Oh, that's so so great to hear that. Now, mind you, back when the special edition of Empire debuted in theaters in February of '97, uh, the last time you saw it, opening weekend, it did. It sold 22 million dollars uh, worth of tickets. Uh, you know, at the top of the box office. Now, obviously, as you mentioned, from your your family's, you know, COVID-19, you know, regulated experience, mm-hmm. um, it it hasn't done quite that set of numbers this time around uh it's re-release in theaters this year uh for the 40th anniversary uh in north america it sold 1.9 million dollars worth of tickets which uh, dan let's admit it doesn't sound like a whole lot of money um but in our crazy coronavirus world uh that's enough to be the number one re-release in north america for all of 2020 Wow, and I'm sure it's probably already made more money than Tenant. <laughs> Too soon? Well, it, you know, overseas it's doing much better. Uh, but yeah, this past weekend it actually came, uh, Empire came in fourth at the box office. Tenant was first, uh, New Mutants was second, and Unhinged was third. Uh, but this past weekend, uh, all by itself, Oh, oh, uh, $908,000 in ticket sales. So, hmm. um, well, it makes me happy. I mean, I, I, again, you know, just, uh, you know, the fact that, that you can go out and experience this thing on a big screen. Again, oh, it's, it's, exc- uh, I noticed things about the sound, uh, the sound effects that I, that I hadn't really caught in a long time. It's just fascinating, really. Oh, okay. well, all right. I will go make a point of trying to get out to see this in the theater myself. It's pretty fun. Uh, but again, you know, just, you know, how, how appropriate to watch a movie with Darth Vader and have to wear a mask. Yes. Um, you know, what? something else crazy real quick. My birthday is also International Podcasting Day. How about that? 
I, well, as a podcasting pioneer, that is entirely appropriate. So, um, oh, uh, a quick side note here. We were just talking about COVID, which makes me think of current events, which makes me think of the presidential debate this week. And oh. okay, look, folks, <laughs> Dan and I deliberately keep this show apolitical um, yes. because we figure you get enough of that, right? That's right. You know? You know? Oh, you know, you, you come here to be entertained. But um, Dan, did, did you see what Mark Hamill tweeted after the presidential debate? Uh, I did. I did. Go ahead and share with our listeners. OK, you know, just again, Mark, after he sees this 90 minute long live broadcast, cops on Twitter and says that debate was the worst thing I've ever seen. And I was in the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> you don't even have to watch the debate for one second to appreciate the humor in that. I mean, it's just fun. No, That's just satirical. No. No, 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 I just, I love Mark's self-deprecating streak. Yes. Um, and, and speaking of which, have you seen the ads that he's been doing for Uber Eats with Sir Patrick Stewart? They are brilliantly funny. I, I want to know when they were shot. I'm assuming it was after all this started, but they are fantastic. Mm. Really. How'd you like it? I just, well, again, I, I love that these are two so, you know, I mean, two performers, obviously, with very strong ties to immensely popular uh, sci-fi franchises who have no problem whatsoever sending themselves up. I mean, it just, it's, it you know, I mean, especially these days when just you could use a laugh to have something like this is like, ah, bonus points. So, um, but no, no, really, really enjoyed them and. Uh, and again, really enjoyed uh, what Mark put out there on Twitter after the debate. But um, OK, back to Empire for a, a hot second here. Um, I know that you and Mason do the uh, the Lego kits. Yes. Uh, OK. Have you seen the, the one that's supposed to drop later this month for the, uh, the the Nebulon B frigate? Yeah, that's the medical frigate at the end of the Empire Strikes Back. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um now, what's what's kind of interesting about this is I guess this is one of the last pieces of the 40th anniversary merch, um, supposedly oh. dropping on October 30th with a, a price point of $50. Oh, that's not bad. Uh, now, it, it's, I have to ask, though, this thing is 459 pieces, 11 inches long. Um, so th what is that for you and Mason? An afternoon? Is that a couple of days? Well, or? if you consider, I'm not sure if you saw on Coffee with Kenobi's YouTube channel, but we, we just finished the Razor Crest. Uh, oh. And that was okay. over a thousand pieces. That took us five days. And we, we did a, we did a time-lapse video of the build itself. So you should check that out. It was very, very fun. Uh, okay. that's not entirely true. It was fun, but it was also very, very challenging as a, as a, for communication and uh, patience and mm -hmm. dealing with adversity. And that was just me trying to figure out how to, <laughs> how to build this thing. Uh, but it, I'd say 400 pieces, probably take an afternoon. Yeah. Okay. All right. But because, um, again, we were just talking about October 30th. And, of course, that's the day that season two of The Mandalorian debuts on Disney+. And I don't... Are, are you aware of the Mando Mondays program? Yeah, Disney sent uh, a press release that Monday, two Mondays ago, talking mm -hmm. about it with a, a listing of a lot of the prod products that were coming out and sort of their plans. I heard from Hasbro, I heard from Lego, heard from all kinds of people. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that they're gonna that's almost gonna be like Force Friday, but they're gonna continue it throughout the entire season too. So that that's kind of a great little way to um to drive the excitement, I think. Well, now way this gets interesting is that uh, I got the same release from Disney and, and called uh, a friend who's been with Disney Consumer Products forever. And the first thing he pointed out was, okay, again, not Force Friday, but Mando Mondays with an S. And, and you nailed it. You know, the notion of they're going to do, you know, every Monday after an episode airs. Uh, you know, though I, I think uh, it actually launches... The Monday before the first uh, the first episode drops on Monday, October 26th. Um, but each subsequent episode uh, after, uh, after, after Monday after the episode airs initially airs on Disney Plus on the Friday, um, they're going to drop product. But the interesting thing is they're going to drop product that relates to the episode you've just seen. Yep, that sounds right. It's gonna you know, it's gonna play off of that, which is really, I don't know how they're gonna do that, but wow. Well, you know, and this is the the thing that that I found amazing is look, COVID nineteen has disrupted all manner of retail channels, and the fact that Disney's gonna try to do something this ambitious, uh, you know, is kind of astounding, you know, especially now. Um, and you know, I also want to point out that that you know, well, you, you just and it's, you know, the, the Razor Crest with its thousand plus pieces. There's also the child build and display with a thousand seventy three pieces. That also comes with the uh, the child minifig as well. And a nice little sort of a display plaque. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I love the fact that it, it, it if you, I'm looking at the, the photo reference now, but uh, the child is holding the knob that he unscrewed from, <laughs> yes. uh, you, know, you know, which is, uh, he had just left a little touch there. Um I gotta ask though, um, you know, and in fact, I made the mistake when I was doing the research for the show tonight of sort of going through the stuff that's been announced, and I suddenly realized, oh, you know, I, I wish I were like Dan and could avoid spoilers, had that 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 you know that that self control. Because uh, I came across the Grimorian, uh Grimorian. fighter. Yes. Yes. Uh, and, you know, initially I thought, oh, man, that's been spoiled for me. But then I remember, no, wait a minute, there's like a tenth of a second shot in that teaser trailer. And so, not only that, but John Favreau, golly, six months ago on his Instagram posted a picture of one. Oh, OK. So, again, I'm 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 off the hook here. Um, but 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 at the same time, it's just it's fascinating if you're paying any attention to social media or, you know, the online Star Wars community, because. Any piece of merch that comes out, uh, they fall on like wolves and immediately begin to sort of dissect, you know, the the art on the outside of the package, uh, you know, and the significance of it. And did you see anything in the past week or so relating to a Hasbro product, a, a, a lightsaber that's perhaps coming out in 2021? Uh, are you talking about the Darksaber? Because uh, because something did come out. Uh, Hasbro had their PulseCon, which is a Friday Saturday streaming convention. They had a bunch of stars and celebrities on it, and they debuted the the Black Series six inch, the Armorer, mm-hmm. and hers sold out really really quickly. And a lot of people were excited about that. And I'm assuming, 
We're going to talk about the HasLab uh, Razor Crest. Have you seen this? No, I don't think I have. Okay, so Hasbro did something a couple of years ago where Jabba's sail barge, they mm-hmm. sold a, a 1 1 scale, not a 1 1 scale, that'd be impossible, but they sold a, a scale one for a three and three quarter inch figure. It came with a yak mm-hmm. face. It was huge. It cost, I, I think it costs between five and $800 for it to actually happen. And so mm-hmm. it was a huge success. It took them a significant amount of time, I would say, to get enough people to fund this thing. So mm-hmm. now they have moved on and they are doing the Razor Crest. And, it, and it's, it's, uh, I'm trying to find the exact size for you so I can share it with you. Mm-hmm. But it's basically here we go. It is. I should send you the link. Mm-hmm. But it is cost three hundred and forty nine ninety nine, mm-hmm. and it is well. It doesn't have a scale on it. Oh yeah, it's twenty inches wide, ten and a half inches tall, thirty inches long. It's the biggest vehicle it's they've ever done for the vintage line, and they needed to get I think four thousand backers. No, five thousand backers. And right now they have eight thousand nine hundred ninety-six. Oh, so let's do wow. the math. Eight thousand nine hundred ninety-six okay. times three hundred forty-nine dollars isn't that well over two million dollars? That it is. So I think yeah. they're doing okay. And every time someone meets the next tier, first they said if you get to a certain amount, we'll we'll put an escape pod on this thing. <laughs> and then they it got to that, and now they said. <laughs> We're going to sell the child to come with it on a card, a carded figure, and that it met that instantly. Oh, so it is. I got to send you the link. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Okay. I'm not sure if that's Um, what you're thinking of, but that's that's it. Well, okay. Now, now, speaking of the Mandalorian, and obviously as busy as that keeping Mr. Favreau. Um, did you notice just this past week, uh, Disney announced that, uh, they're moving forward with production of a sequel to last year's photorealistic, uh, Lion King. I did. Um, yes. Yeah. And again, you know, this thing made 1.5 billion last year, worldwide ticket sales, highest grossing animated film that the Walt Disney company has ever released. Uh, and of course, you know, Mr. Favreau drove the bus on this one. So it was kind of intriguing to see that, you know, given his tie to su- the success and, and, you know, uh, given the work that he'd done previously for the Jungle Book and that sort of thing, the fact that he let this project go, uh, that it's now Barry Jenkins, the gentleman um, who directed and actually won an Academy Award for Moonlight a, a few years back. He's going to be driving the sequel um i again checking with my 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 pal at um disney consumer products about you know mando mondays and the conversation kind of drifted in this direction and it's like you know that because that's a that's a significant payday that that uh john passed up yeah and my friend to consumer products basically said well you know the thing is with john he's really busy with all of his star wars stuff you know and you know, so it's like, you know, he's going to be a, a producer, more likely an executive producer on the Lion King sequel. But he's got so much Star Wars stuff on his plate right now that he doesn't have the time to 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 make a, a sequel to this sure to, you know, this hit film, um, which which kind of speaks volumes about what's going on, hmm. uh, you know, outside of the Mandalorian. Um, you know, so 
polite way of saying sort of watch this space, folks, that there's we may be getting some announcements very soon. Um, well, get, something was alluded to about Gary from Gary Witta. Did you see this? Yeah. You know, that uh, do, do you remember the exact wording on that? You know, that it, it's sort of alluding to an announcement next week sometime, right? Yeah, that or, sounds right. I'm trying to find the actual post where I saw it. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we go. It says... He has teased some news from a galaxy far, far away. Uh, this was done yesterday on my birthday. He said, some news coming from a galaxy far, far away next week. Stay tuned. That's all he said. Okay. Well, that 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 kind of lines up with what, you know, my pal and consumer products was saying. That, that again, between the ambitious program, uh, you know, the, the retail program that's in place for Mandalorian Season two, uh, you know, coupled with what's just over the horizon there. Um, anyway, folks, uh, tell you what, uh, you know, we're going to switch from film to literature. Uh, when we get back from our commercial break. And we're back. Okay, Dan, as someone who has a Star Wars related book coming out this month, mm-hmm. by the way, Incredibly subtle plug here, folks. It's called The Star Wars Book. Expand your knowledge of the galaxy far, far away. It's arriving from DK on October 20th. That's right, 19 days away from the time of this recording. There you go. And Dan's co-authors are Pablo Hildago and Colt Horton. And as of right now, you go over to Amazon, it's just $25 a copy. So pre-orders yours today. Um, Okay. Thank you for Uh, the plug. Your check is in the mail. Well, again, all I want is an autographed copy, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> um, okay, I, I again, as an author of a Star Wars book, or you know, I would imagine you're really excited about Star Wars Reads, which is this uh, month-long series of events that directly tie to your local library and that sort of thing. Oh, absolutely. Oh. There's there's a lot to be excited. A lot of things are going to be happening with Star Wars Reads Day. I can tell you that for sure. Now, can you? Fill in a little history here, because, again, out ahead of Tonight Show doing some research, and as recently as 2015, it was Star Wars Reads Day, a single day, rather than... uh, Yes, uh, for, I'd say, maybe four four or five years, it was, Mm -hmm. there was a certain day that was Star Wars Reads Day where bookstores like Barnes & Noble would have trivia... Lots of libraries will be doing things. We did stuff at, at our school for Star Wars Reads Day as well. And then I think last year, I believe it's last year, if memory serves, it switched from a day to the entire month of October because there was just, it was too hard to sync everything up with everyone. So now they just open up to the entire month, Disney did, so that people had a chance to plan it as they could fit it in, you know, and how they could make it work. And there's a website that has a lot of different fun things for kids, games, trivia, crafts, all that kind of stuff to engage kids to enjoy and embrace literature. Okay. Okay. Now, I I have to admit, I'm intrigued by this year because, of course, you know, again, I hate to keep harping on the same issue here, but, you know, COVID-19, folks, has challenges in all sorts of directions and just you know, to watch how our local library has been trying to deal with the notion of still giving people access to material, but at the same time, social distancing. So uh, it's going to be fascinating to see, you know, how they do these programs, how many of them will be virtual versus, 
you know, hey, kids, let's go read a book outside on the library lawn. Um, but um, speaking of books, um, on our last week's show, uh, we did talk about uh, Toshin's special 40th anniversary of the Star Wars archive 1977 to 1983, which goes on sale December 13th for $25 a copy. Did you see that the sequel to that book um, is coming out this year as well? Yeah, the prequels. Yeah, a lot of people are very excited about this. Well, I am too, because I, I have a couple of Toshin books in, in my own research archive, but, but this one, 600 pages... The book all by itself weighs 13 and three quarters pounds. Wow. Uh, and it also comes with a uh, a $200 suggested retail price. So, um, you know, again, folks, you know, the, the holidays are coming up. <laughs> it might be, a, might be a time to be really, really good for the next couple of months. Yeah. Well, I uh, ordered one for you and Nancy, so you should get that anytime. Oh, well, there you go. Mm -hmm. And we can, we can use it to build an extension on our house. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I'm told from, from friends who have seen uh, a PDF version and, you know, I mean, again, you know, given the oversized, you want it because of the oversized image and you know, the beautifully photography, but, so the thing that it does particularly well um, is it does map out the tragedy of Darth Vader that, you know, you come away from reading this book with a, a much stronger appreciation for the prequels and for the, the sort of the overarching story that George was looking to tell with these things. Um, so <clears throat> I want to check this out. Um, but uh, that brings me to my big question for this half of the show, Dan. Um, what was your first Star Wars book? You know, that's a good question. I, I mean, I remember the Star Wars trivia book by Rusty Miller, but I think the first one that I had was the Star Wars Marvel Comics number one or the actual novel itself. Hmm. There was also so, a book called uh, the Star Wars Storybook, which told the story in pictures. It's certainly a beloved classic mm -hmm for Star Wars fans. There's one for all the original, one for each of the original trilogy. And there was one for Raiders, the Lost Ark and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom as well. So hmm. that actually may be the first one for me. Okay. Now when you say the Star Wars, but are we talking the novelization? Yes. The novel. Uh, yes. Okay. That, that, uh, is listed as being written by George Lucas. Correct. But was actually ghost written by Alan Dean Foster. Yes. Um, uh, you know, and, and again, no disrespect, George was kind of a busy guy. Uh, you know, now on my side of the fence, I, I have to admit, um, I, I again, same thing. You know, you you mentioned the Star Wars trivia book. You know, that's I guess I have to parse things in that if we're going to talk about the first book that I bought that was Star Wars related, it was probably Aladdin's Foster's Splinter in the Mind's Eye. Yes. Uh, which was, you know, I, I have to, to ask because, again, I, whenever I poke at this story, uh, and, and you must know the story, that, 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 you know, supposedly that the story in Splinter in a Mind's Eye, the idea was that 
this was going to be the storyline that could possibly be used for a low-budget sequel. Had, had you ever heard that before? Yeah, George had sort of never really dreamed that there would be a sequel, so he had this done so that the story could continue in some way, shape, or form, but that was sort of his uh, loose idea of where the story might go. Okay, okay. Cause With it, a great me, cover by Ralph McQuarrie. Oh, no, absolutely. I, you know... Um, and what's interesting for me is that Splinter in a Mind's Eye hit store shelves. I mean, there was a hardcover in March of 78 and then a paperback just one month later uh, in April. But that's just 10 months after New Hope opens in theaters. So I, I just I, it's hard for me to imagine how quickly this thing got written. And and as I understand it, um, you know, Alan had a couple of meetings with George who then, you know, had some rules going into this, this, this book to the effect of, you know, what was it that they couldn't use Han and Chewie because what they hadn't officially signed Harrison Ford for a sequel at that point or that now that I hadn't heard, but that does, that would make sense. Okay. And you know, it's also one of George's notes. Uh, and again, when you hear this, you know, it makes you immediately wonder about Dagobah, um, that George sort of insisted that the film be, you know, if they, they the story of this, this proposed sequel, uh, you know, that principally be set on a planet, a miscovered planet, because that would make, you know, it easier to make the sets because you could shroud them in mist. Yes. Uh, you know, so I, immediately it's like, okay, interesting to take that note and then see him do Dagobah and, empire um but honestly if if you know again i I read it and you know i mean again you know i i read a lot of alan dean foster over the years in fact the very next year alan uh did the novelization of the black hole for disney uh and you know and again i reread the last 10 pages of that a number of times because i could never figure out the ending of the movie or the book yes i I don't blame you you know You know, um, but if seriously, if I if I were going to parse it, um, I think I I would consider my first real Star Wars book to be The Empire Strikes Back Notebook. Uh, oh, a classic, a classic. Yeah. One of yeah. Pablo Hidalgo's favorite books, by the way. Is it really? Yeah. Well, you know, the weird thing, folks, this is available on Amazon and eBay like on the sec- in the secondary market for basically pennies on the dollar. I mean, you know, and, and yes, the, the most of these copies that are for sale are fairly beaten up because they were very well loved by a Star Wars fans somewhere who paid through this thing because it had what the whole script of the film plus um the storyboards. I yeah. Mean, and and yeah. all kinds of great interviews and behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the weird thing is I would actually put the empire strikes back notebook above, uh, the, the, the behind the scenes book that preceded it, the art of star Wars, which Valentine published back in January of 79. Uh, but same thing. It, it has the full script of a new hope. It has lots of concept art, but what it, doesn't I mean it just has the the words you know uh, the art of Star Wars on the cover, whereas uh, the Empire Strikes Back notebook has that um, that amazing rough drawing of Yoda putting Luke through his training on Dagobah. Oh, it's it's so rich with I mean there's like I said a lot of the stuff from J W Rensler is the making of. He he quotes the Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back notebook as a source. 
Mm, so that okay. tells you right there. Yeah, no, it does. It does. And in fact, you know, it's so interesting uh, that you mentioned Rizzler because it's, um, I, you know, they, they, I forget which of the shows we recorded recently where you, you were talking of, you know, the Empire book. And I was trying to remember if I had it in my library and I made the mistake of going to Amazon and, and again, typing in his name and seeing the 10 or 15 Lucasfilm related books he's written over the years. That's right. Uh, so, you know, I, right after I get the Tashin prequel book, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to just dig on down and bite the bullet and, and get all of that stuff. But first I want to make sure I don't have already have copies of that stuff sitting there. Yes. Um, I, just I picture your library is like the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, you know, would it that it was that neat? You know, <laughs> you know I'm, I'm, I, I, just one final question before we wrap up here. Is there a particular favorite Star Wars behind-the-scenes film? I mean, again, obviously the Rensler books, um, but is, is there one that that really caught your attention early on? Or no, I mean, well, I mean, there was there was a collector's edition magazine that was full of pictures and a ton of Macquarie art, and there were some interviews with the cast while they were filming it, and a lot of concept stuff. That was my that was sort of my first foray into making of books, but it was. Of course, since it was like a magazine thing, it was so mm-hmm. visual, but it had a lot of great shots of Harrison on the set of the Falcon, and it came with trading cards, and it was tremendous. Oh, well, that sounds cool. Okay. Well, all right. Speaking of behind-the-scenes stories, folks, um, I don't know how many of you, between when we last recorded a new episode of Looking at Lucasfilm, I heard the... The Tony Gilroy story. Um, Dan, you heard about this, right? Or... Yes. Okay. Uh, do, do, do you want to do a Quick Reader's Digest version, or would you, you like me to sort of... Yeah, wax, do your thing. Wax poetic. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, late last month, Deadline reported that Toby Hayes, who directed the Emmy Award-winning Star Trek-inspired episode of Black Mirror, the USS Callister, uh, Deadline reported that uh, Toby would be replacing Tony Gilroy as the director of Disney's Rogue One spinoff limited series. Um, and immediately after this, there were a number of uh, toxic Star Wars fans who got online and tried to spin this bit of news into yet another variation of the Lucasfilm out of control, you know, thing that it's, it's the same thing we heard during uh, the Rogue One reshoots or when Lord and Miller were removed after two months of directing a solo, a Star Wars story. And that's just wrong. Um, The truth of the matter here is Tony Gilroy stepped away from directing early episodes of, of Disney's Rogue One spinoff because of COVID-19 travel-related concerns. Uh, Tony lives in New York. And the thing is, Dan, that in order for him to go to the UK to shoot this film, I mean, it just, and and you got to remember, the UK is in the middle of, you know, an uptick in COVID cases. So they're getting incredibly serious about the quarantining. So it's, and the fact that Tony was looking to come back to America for the holidays with his family, and it was just sort of like, I'm going to spend two weeks in quarantine in the UK and they're going to have to spend two weeks in quarantine 
you know, once I come back to the States to the holiday with their family and then two weeks in quarantine after I fly back to the UK after the holidays. And it's like, I can, I'm going to be no good to this show. You know, I'm going to, you know, I get, it, it means, you know, everything I have to do, I'm going to have to do via zoom. And it's like, well, hell I live here in New York and I can zoom with them from here. And so, you know, I, you know, it, it look from, from a, a professional standpoint, I, you know, Tony's going to take a hit because, you know, if you mean, mind you, he's still going to be the showrunner and the executive producer of this Rogue One spinoff. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, to be the director and to watch, you know, for example, you know, all of the career kudos that everybody got who just directed uh, the first season of The Mandalorian. You know, it's it's kind of hurt, you know, from Tony's point of view, you know, to miss out on that opportunity, you know, because, uh, you know, everybody's anticipating that this is going to be yet another hit Star Wars related series for Disney Plus. Um, but on the other hand, you know, just, you know, this is the world we live in right now. Uh, and until there's a vaccine and it doesn't, you know, even just today. Uh, you know, the major pharmaceutical companies were, were kind of, you know, we're, we're, we're looking after the first of the year, if that. Um, so, you know, th this was a tough professional decision to make. This is nothing about Lucasfilm mismanagement. This is about a, a guy making a very difficult adult decision, but continuing to do, you know, really, you know, tough work on on this show from long distance. And yeah, I mean, we're in a pandemic. There's the rules have completely changed. I mean, you can tell that by going to a movie theater or most likely not going to a movie theater. That's just sort of the way it is. And you have to yeah. do what's most practical and what's the safest. But I just I again, I just wish that, you know, that certain subset of Star Wars fans would just stop looking for reasons. Oh, you know, it'll never happen. You know? So we just we just ignore mm. them. We mute them, and we don't give okay. we don't give any blood supply that direction. And eventually, they fizzle out. Okay, all right. I, I again, I will will try to follow your example, Dan. And again, I, I keep trying to practice your level of self control when it comes <laughs> to spoilers. So, um, I, and anyway, uh, also in closing, um, Dan and I would would like to take a brief moment to pay tribute to the late Ron Cobb, uh, the famed production designer who uh, died back in September twenty first at the the age of eighty three. Um, Look, if you if you grew up watching any sort of fantasy film in the 70s and 80s, chances are Ron touched that movie. I mean, think about it, Dan. You know, uh, E.T., uh, Raiders, oh, yeah. uh, Alien. Uh, he designed the DeLorean, or the, or the the augmentation of the DeLorean for Back to the Future. Uh, and, you know, for, for those of us who love of uh, the canteen, a uh, cantina scene from the original Star Wars. Uh, he he was the guy who designed, you know, arguably the most uh, memorable character from that sequence. Uh, and I'm I know I'm gonna hammerhead. This. The hammerhead. Yeah. All right, Mo Ma. Mo Ma Nadon. Thank you. Yes. Okay. See, you know. I, I love that you could you have this friend of mind. I I I look at this and it's like I I'm I, I'm in an Argentine men get you a know, restaurant ordering from the menu and 
That's why somebody eventually brings me a shoe with cheese. Well, when we uh, go to Argentina together, I will make sure you do not eat a shoe with cheese. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, I, oh, and uh, one brief nod to the Disney fans out there. Um, interesting thing about Rob's resume, uh, born in September of 37, um, just began dabbling with graphics uh, in 18 and landed a job at Disney um, in, in the 50s. I, in fact, um, he, he managed to work on Sleeping Beauty. He was in the building to work on Sleeping Beauty. And in fact, he was one of the 400 people who were let go uh, in, you know, you know, later that same year, 1959, mm. when uh, that movie lost money. It was the first Disney for the first time in 10 years had to declare an operating loss because of how much money Sleeping Beauty lost. But um but in a weird sort of way, it was a good thing for him because he left this, you know, left working for Disney, had to strike out on his own, and it's how he became this amazing production designer. So, um, but anyway, uh, just kind of sad to lose him, but it, it's still an amazing career, um, and makes me wonder now if I if I go back to my copy of the Art of Star Wars, will I see uh, Ron Storing for Hammerhead in there? Undoubtedly. So, yeah. Okay. All right. So what's going on in the vast Coffee with Kenobi empire? I, you know, just, it, it, in fact, I, I was just seeing the very cool hat, baseball hats that yes. were being mod modeled on Twitter. Yeah, it was pretty great. We did a little campaign through Custom Inc. because we use Public for our Coffee with Kenobi merchandise, but they don't offer hats. And we always get a lot of requests for that. And I, I'm a hat wearing guy myself. Mm -hmm. So we found it. Corey made another great logo for CWK Alliance, which is our Patreon page. And they went well, so everyone who ordered them has been taking pictures with them and posting them, and Mason and I did. And uh, it's, it's really, really, it's been great. Um, every Monday night, the members of the CWK Alliance and Coffee with Kenobi listeners or Star Wars fans join me at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time for Facebook Live. Last week, we did our top five favorite Luke Skywalker moments. This week is top five favorite Leia Organa moments. And that's that's been really good. As I mentioned earlier, Mason, my son, and I did the, the Razor Crest Lego build. And there's a video of that on our YouTube channel. So if you want to check that out and subscribe there, that would be great. Cool, cool. Okay. And anything coming up I, you know i mean obviously a lot of star wars news barreling down the pike at us in the mock-up in october any upcoming shows you want to talk about or uh, yeah there was one a few weeks ago we did i may have mentioned before but uh holly fry from my heart radio mm. and amira martin who i was in the target commercial with did a big deep dive into fan expectations and entitlement and what if ray was a kenobi i think we did talk about that uh, we covered HasLab and all the new reveals, including a holiday stormtrooper, which looks like it's wearing a Christmas sweater that's absolutely adorable, I think. Oh. And then we looked at the Mandalorian trailer in great detail and some great conversations and interviews coming up. And in, in undoubtedly, Jim, uh, mm -hmm. I might be talking about the Star Wars book in a lot of detail on Coffee with Kenobi and probably here looking at Lucasfilm as well. And again, just subtle plug here, October 20th, folks, only $25. Pre-order your copy today. That's right. It'll change oh. your life. Food will taste better. The sky will be bluer. All of that stuff. 
Okay, remember he promised that. I did That's right. I, you know, I'm sure it's a wonderful read. Um, okay, let's see. What else? Oh, uh, my plugs. Let's see. Uh, Len and I just recorded a brand new Disney dish today where we actually talked about uh, the, the 28,000 people who got laid off at Disney. Uh, it's terrible. Not a good thing. No, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, and Aaron and I were recording a, a new uh, Marvel Us Disney early next week where we're talking about the, the casting news on the Miss Marvel project. Uh, let's see. Uh, your good, close personal friend, uh, you know, Drew Taylor and myself mm. will be recording a brand new fine tuning either tomorrow or the day after. Uh, and we're, I'm slotted to do another uh, Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse this Saturday. We're, uh, you know, d d doing a lot of talking about, you know, what's going on with their interesting Halloween Horror Nights program. And Michelle Valladolid is, is back on deck, so we're going to do, and I want that uh, very, very soon. Um, so let's see. Beyond that, folks, if you could do Dan and I a favor... If you could head over to iTunes and not only rate and recommend Coffee with Kenobi, but also looking at Lucasfilm. Uh, likewise, if you really, really, really like what you heard here, uh, you could, you know, head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, which, you know, will, will help pay for the $200 coffee table books. Um, let's see. Now, Dan, and again, I so enjoy all of this stuff you put up on Twitter and the people uh, that you interact with. Uh, but can you remind people where they can find you on social media? Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Zer, M-R-Z-E-H-R. Happy to talk Star Wars, baseball, whatever you want to talk about. And Coffee with Kenobi is all over social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Pinterest. Okay. And Nancy wants to remind me to remind you uh, that you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. And that, I think, is going to do it for now, Dan. I, I just now have to fight the urge to go over and look at the Funko Pop figures and not get, you know, the season two of The Mandalorian spoiled for me. I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs>